All right, everybody, we are live out to our YouTube audience. I'm Kurt Roscoff. I'll be hosting for today. We have our co-host, Emily. And uh, we have our open enrollment guru here. So we'll be getting into more of an introduction there. But that's the tease for today. But I want to introduce more of the show, World of Ability podcast, coming at you live every Saturday at 3 Eastern. And today is going to be a, a nice casual conversation. And we're going to be throwing you some good nuggets out there. We're going to be talking health insurance and this idea again with the open enrollment guru Kenneth Wright Ken Wright he's going to be uh, talking about this enrollment process what it's like to be out on the open market but again about world of ability podcast uh, started back July 26 2020 uh, which was the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act so this podcast has the opportunity to get into a little bit of disability advocacy and looking from the perspective, uh, considering people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, the deaf community, blind community, people with physical disabilities, those that are living in chronic pain, everyone out there with a mental health diagnosis and uh, with great support to those who have a goal of substance use reduction. So this is squarely a podcast that gets us thinking of social work, social mission, social ministry, and we bring in a lot of entrepreneurs here. And, you know, from where I sit, I come from the position of social enterprise. And uh, Ken here, we met through the Happy Neighborhood Project. So uh, he's a great professional contact of ours out of Florida. And um, so we're gonna see what he's doing out there around other places around our country and then uh, see what we can put into it here at the World of Ability uh, for a little global insight that it's uh, just things that we wanna consider uh, being grateful for the services we can get from the professional healthcare workers having that financial plan of insurance. Um, so in the, in the last nine days, nine days ago, uh, Thanksgiving here in uh, the USA. And so this idea of being thankful the thing that I did uh, in the last couple of weeks is I really positioned myself a little bit coincidentally that Ken is here today. Um, I was in some of our breakout rooms for the Happy Neighborhood Project, and I added a little thought, you know, to thankfulness because being in social ministry, social work, and social enterprise, I point out with those I network with when I'm being asked, what am I grateful for, thankful for? you know, food, shelter, clothing, you know, the basics, you know, and in the last couple of weeks, um, by the great work of Ken and others out there in, um, you know, the business of, you know, health services and just being healthy, but on, you know, in Ken's realm with health insurance and Ken and I were talking a little bit about, you know, my health insurance, you know, I happen to be, uh, covered through a benefit that my wife has, uh, Carroll University out of Waukesha. And um, so a great program there, great insurance, and they use a health savings account and so forth. So I'm grateful that um, in employment there, the benefit is there. And um, my family and I are covered very nicely uh, through the work of academia. And I'm very thankful and grateful for that. And um, I just got my teeth cleaned, you know, last week. So you know, this past Tuesday, I saw my uh, hygienist and um, 
you know, be able to benefit from those services is kind of a big deal because, you know, what if I came on this show and, you know, these teeth weren't, you know, what they are as I'm talking to you. So, um, you know, we're going to dive into it. And then from a disability advocacy standpoint, you know, it is something to navigate because, you know, with Americans with Disabilities, it's a question of qualifying for Social Security income, uh, Social Security disability income, or um, with Medicare, Medicaid, um, a lot of Americans with Disabilities uh, benefit from, you know, our Medicaid program. And, you know, there's a, a lot of other uh, financial tools in the disability community to allow a, a little bit of self-determination, they call it. You know, so with Medicare, Medicaid, it is what it is. You get the coverage, you call up, and it's just like, what do I get? What is it? What's the program? Um, but there's, you know, programs um, like a special needs trust, you know, where people with disabilities, our American disabilities can put monies into an account so that they have some flexibility over and above what is being curtailed through their social worker, that they can navigate and do other things to serve their needs having a disability. So they're through these programs, um, there, there is some levity there, you know, and it's all detailed out. It's past legislation. So again, it is. Can very I, Kurt, can I ask a question there? Is it something, um, is it, are you familiar with the ABLE fund? Yeah, ABLE accounts. Yeah, that's the most ABLE recent accounts. legislation. Yeah. 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 So yeah, because that that was something that I've a, I was telling Kurt a little while ago. I have a friend who's uh on disability. He's uh mental has mental health issues in New York, and he's always been afraid of uh having his uh aid taken away or reduced. And I found that the ABLE Fund, which allows for people with disabilities or on disability, SSI disability, to have a fund or have some money available to take care of some things. Yeah. And, and again, uh, these legislations are passed because their legislators are seeing that, you know, with Medicare, Medicaid, or the other things through, um, through what caseworkers are doing that, you know, the limitation of it is where we can do some things uh, that work out for everybody, you know, in the long run for government dollars, tax dollars, and, you know, the uh, health and human services budgets and whatever, it's, you know, that they really work this out, that it is big benefit to the consumer, to the person with a disability, and um, it works out equitably, um, you know, that it's a solvent program you know, that, um, that it just allows things to make more common sense. That, that the point is we want our American disabilities taken care of for where otherwise in our marketplace, it's, it really is tough. It really is a challenge and a hurdle, a barrier in many cases. So we are creeping in the right direction towards legislation that makes sense. And, um, you know, the next um, thing that's been worked on for several years already is, um, you know, is the Disability Integration Act. So, you know, I'm hoping that, that we can get to a point where it's like when that gets passed. Uh, but right now in our country, I'm not convinced, you know, December 3rd, 2022, 
that we have a Congress that has the right appetite, perspective, and awareness. And I don't think our legislators are informed enough, you know, to um, to take on that capacity to to pass that. Obviously, there's a lot in favor. They're kind of getting close to that point, but um, in terms of the votes needed to pass such a thing. Um, there's enough legislators that are a barrier to that passing. Uh, that so we have there, a, are you referring to, Kurt, are you referring to a specific bill right now? Yeah, it's called the Disability Integration Act. We worked on for several years already. Um, a lot of work with the disability advocates, a lot of the similar actions like uh, what was done for the Americans with Disabilities Act um, are in play right now. Um, but it's not the same political climate as it was when we had President George W. Bush, who very much in the political process uh, made some commitments that the Americans with Disabilities Act fell into place with. And he used his influence as first political candidate and then as, um, as our president um, to help legislators see the importance of passing that. And obviously we have a president who would love to see the Disability Integration Act passed but it's just not in the same uh, political clout, I'm gonna say, as what George H.W. Bush had uh, back in the 80s, if that makes sense. You know, so, and then the other thing is just in terms of our citizenship. You know, I think the citizenship of our country is actually in a little bit of an impediment or, you know, like disability advocacy is not as strong today, I propose, as it was in the 80s. I mean, just think of what was going on back then, Ken. You know, we were having the Capitol crawl where in the 80s, Americans were seeing pe people with physical disabilities laying on the steps and crawling inch by inch by inch to show, hey, if I wanna get to into this doorway, this is what I have to do. I, I have to crawl to that door, you know, so we don't have the drama going on today that we did back in the 80s that gave that, that political thrust to get us to where we're doing things that make sense. And even with the American Disabilities Act being passed, you know, kind of seeing um, the statement that makes in our country, you know, we have this saying, what's it gonna take? An act of Congress? You know, we know that cliche, right? You've heard, you've heard that, Ken? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Yep, yeah, yeah. So, so that's what I'm dealing with in disability advocacy with the disability channel is that's the truth. For a lot of people to do the right thing, if it's not law, they're not doing it. I don't have to by law. When a lot of people build buildings, they go to their attorney and they say, what do I got to do to make good with the American Disabilities Act? Make sure I'm compliant with the Disabilities Act and then their focus is right over on everything else for the mainstream for the three out of four people in their population that they more see is going to have the dollars that is going to give them the return on investment they're looking for. You know, so there's a lot of systemic oppression built into the way the world works, that people with disabilities are disadvantaged by the nature of the system and by not by the nature of who they are. Would you agree with that? Ken, would you agree that uh, a lot of what's happening in the way the world works, that people with disabilities have challenges by the nature of the system and not necessarily the challenge that they have as a person? 
Uh, I mean, so I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say I'm very, very honestly, I am so ignorant on where we are with this kind of thing. And I didn't know about the Capitol crawl. I don't, I don't know about any of this kind of stuff, and I'm probably the same as 95% of the people out there that don't have disabilities. Right. Or, I, or, you know, I, I would say, and I don't mean to, so what are the, what kind of legislation, what are the new things that are on the docket that, um, that the, that the community of the people with ability, you know, are looking to have done right now? I mean, what are the current issues in place? I, I'd love to know. Um, well, I mean, some of the things that they're addressing in, um, like the disability integration act is, you know, this concept is it, is it disability immigration or disability integration, integration, like okay. integrating people with disabilities. Right, I, I was, okay. yeah, integrate, okay. integrate a person with a disability into things going on on Madison Avenue, main street, you know, kind of, um, you know, for independent living, that um, when new places are built and marketplaces are developed, when, you know, people come in with the construction companies, they're going to propose this development that, you know, all the things in play there are favorable for people with disabilities to be a part of it and that they'll have supports like, you know, caregivers and uh, like in the autism community to have like sensory zones and um you know so like adult changing tables and stuff like this things that are not as much um you know required by the american disabilities act and uh, also with benefits in terms of nationally to look at how like if somebody's in wisconsin and they have a certain level of benefits coming from funding that's derived from federal dollars and then they move to florida that the benefits follow the person. Oh yeah. You know, that, that type of thing. So, so there's a lot of, there's things like visitability, you know, so like when residential places are set up, you know, the initial occupant through which the building is constructed, you know, the family might be a family that doesn't have any physical disabilities. So then uh, what happens when somebody knows them that has a physical disability or otherwise would visit that house, but it doesn't work out because they have the front stoop and there's no way for the wheelchair user to get from the sidewalk up that up to the stoop and up to, the, you know, to step into the house. There's no visitability. The ability to visit is not there because the able-bodied uh, occupants um, didn't feel a need to have a flat entry into their house, you know, and stuff like that. So there's these reforms that we're looking for to make that more commonplace that our country is more built um, in a more suitable way. Again, like the American Disabilities Act was there to do a lot with federally funded buildings and whatever. Um, but now the Disability Integration Act talks more about a more general integration of people with disabilities uh, across the land to, um, to be able to partake um, as much as their counterparts that don't have a disability, you know, and things like, um, you know, with inclusive hiring, you know, to look at availability of assistive technology and, 
you know, all these things that make employment more feasible, that people with disabilities can work in the same co-working spaces or, the, you know, in the corporations or in the small businesses and office buildings and stuff like that. But yeah, you have ADA there to create a lot of physical disability access. And um, with federal programs, even um, people who have a uh, sensitivity to um, electromagnetic waves, the EMF waves, and so forth, if somebody's system is suppressed by the level of energy in the air from all of our, like say a smart home or whatever, you know, all this stuff flying through the air because everything's digitized and it's all remote control and got all that energy swirling around. Some people get suppressed by that and that makes the, um, the space unsuitable for them. And it's a space that they would not um, take on. They wouldn't take on being in there because it's unhealthy for them to be in that space. It's really technically unhealthy for everybody, but we all can tolerate, you know, this, you know, 5G and all the Bluetooth stuff and all that energy we put into, you know, condensed spaces. I mean, it's just really wild, you know, all the energy passing through us at every moment in a lot of our spaces. But there you are know. people that are sensitive to that. Yeah. Yeah, they're sensitive to it. And it's just like, it's like having an allergy. It's like, you know, it's like an allergic response where it's just like they shut down and they just need to leave because they can't wow. be there. And it's the same thing like with chemical sensitivities, like with perfumes. Like if you went to an event at your local independent living center and you look at the details on the event, the independent living center would have right for you, Ken, to say, Hey, please don't wear your cologne. Um, I don't wear cologne anyway. Yeah, but as I'm saying, for those that do, or even like the deodorants or whatever that have, you know, the chemicals in it for the fragrancing and all that, um, there's a little bit of advocacy to that, to refrain from that with, you know, public group activities, because there's people who um, are intolerant uh, to those chemicals and stuff like that. So... These well, are I, all I things. can see, you know, again, and, and as now as a fully able person, um, I can see why the drill down of this can kind of seem overwhelming to people that are trying to consider how do I live in the world? You know, what do I, you know, how do, how do I, and on both sides, on both sides, which is what do I need to change? How do I need to change? Even though I'm sensitive, well, how many things do I need to do differently? I can understand why that there's a lot of debate it, when you drill down. I mean, I think most people understand ramps. I think people yeah. understand ramps and understand um, stalls in bathrooms. They get that. And I think there's certain very, very functional things that people get, right? Um, the idea that someone should be able to visit websites of certain kinds or the stuff that, but I think some of this stuff, I can see how a large percent of the community might say, you know, what, where does it stop, right? I mean, how far does it go? And I can see why there's a lot of debate in those issues. Because I never, I mean, I know at my school, my kids go to, there's no peanuts allowed now. Right. Right. right? There's no peanuts. And 
Um, and I'm allergic to bees, right? So I understand well how anaphylactic react. And I've I've had it, I've gone into, I've had you know anaphylaxis before, so I've been stung and had to be hospitalized, and I get it, right? But I also know that for a lot of people, there's a real tension between you know what is enough, right? You know, and I can I get it. It's uh, and it's a lot of things to try and figure out how to change, right? For a lot of people. Yeah, you're right. It is a process, and you know I don't come in producing these shows to be like. You know, I've got it all together and I'm the thing. I'm the real deal and everybody. I saw you have some peanuts in your house, man. So, you know. Oh, yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, so but my story is, is that, you know, I understand when I send this message, you know, how, um, you know, how most of everybody's life you know, is not really in that place to do much of anything with it. Because for 40 years, I'm 51 years old, just turned uh, four days ago, 51. And Happy birthday. Uh, thank you. Thank you. So, you know, f- my story is for 40 years, you know, I'm that person that hears all these great messages from the disability community and just not doing much of anything with it. You know, my story is that our water ski group you know, takes adults with disabilities once a year. And, you know, there's other things in history, you know, when I look at it, it's really few and far between. And what happened by my wanting to get people with disability widely into the sport of water skiing, and my really looking into it and making myself available to the disability community, and hearing these campaigns and efforts from the 25th, anniversary celebration of the American Disabilities Act. Um, They did a campaign in 2014, a year ahead of time, leading up to the anniversary day of ADA, to send a message that the lives of people with disabilities are 365 days a year. So we have this thing of like awareness days, like maybe an autism awareness day or whatever, you know, but really the disability community is really trying to find a way that the able-bodied community or the community of people that don't declare a disability understand that somehow across, you know, hundreds of millions of people in the country, we got to figure out where is that capacity that these functional, like you said, functional things or say practical things, like say something simple, like being allergic to bees or, you know, whatever like that, that the things that, you know, our Americans need to stay out of harm's way or to um, or to pass through these otherwise barriers to participation or opportunity uh, that we as a collective of hundreds of millions of people that we can get this done. You know, we're supposed to be the leader of the free world. And, you know, there's this uh, patriotism of being American, which is all great stuff. I don't want to discount the, the pride that we have for a country, but you know, there, there's uh, an opportunity to harness the accomplishments of our country and to now put a commitment into things that make a, a real difference for people's lives. And, and this is something I've seen through the simplicity of just offering somebody the opportunity to water ski and to see the difference that that made in that household, that their family member was able to water 
water ski. Even within our water ski community, we, we have a family of four people, three of them able-bodied, one of them having a disability. So even right within our water ski community, and Florida is the water ski capital of the world, by the way, uh, Florida helped I had, us. I, 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 even with all the alligators? Even with all, hey, and by the way, the nickname of our ski club um, just got established. We're 38 years running, and the show directors of last year, they established the nickname for our club. We're now the Pewaukee Gators. Pewaukee uh, so, Gators. <laughs> yeah, up here in Wisconsin. <laughs> well, you know, with the climate change that's going on, it won't be long before you'll have gators in your lakes, too. Yeah, we're, we're just getting ready, Ken. We're getting ready. <laughs> I'll just tell people Ken Wright brought them, you know. <laughs> you know, and again, and again, to to play the other side of it is, you know, individual rights, right? This is what we're talking about: is I have a right to life, liberty, and happiness, right? I'm an American; I should have that. And that's where we really run into people on the other side that would say, "I should have the right not to have to do." these things for other people right and it really kind of that's where it all kind of um smashes together right i mean the right of i mean we've always had that and it's been it's in this country whether it be you know civil rights you know your basic civil rights ethnic based civil rights um is just another example or the rights for you know the indigenous people that were here in the United States before the rest of us came, or there's just so many things out there that it's again, I, I, I can see how it is a I guess for me to look at it as a process, right? I mean, that's how I have to look at it as a process that we that we acknowledge that there are certain people that are being left out of the discussion and being left out of participation. And we need to look at that and be on open and honest about that. And then we need to decide what do we do with that information, right? How do we, um, as a society, and I guess that's really what's going on as a society, how important is it for us to do certain things? Um, the question I have for you, Kurt, since you're an expert kind of in this stuff, is um, are there countries out there that have implemented many more of these types of things than we have? I'm just curious. I don't know. Is there? Well, I don't want to insinuate that, you know, when we give an example from another place in the world that all of a sudden it's like, they're superior. Um, no, no, know. no, no. I just don't know. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Are we are we behind the eight ball on this as a country? Are we a leader in this as a country? Are there, there learnings we can take from other countries that we could implement here? I don't. I, I I'm, honestly, I just don't know. Yeah, I would say there's there's. Um, I'm going to say some short list of examples from other countries that. I think um, people here in our country are taking a look at like there's things going on in Europe that aren't exactly um, achievements here yet in the USA and so forth. Um, you know, like if you go on YouTube and you try to find some technologies for mobility and so forth, 
you know, we'll have our rendition of, you know, getting that type of mobility or that type of, um, you know, accommodation or what's going on in the society, like, um, you know, with groups or at a building or an organization. So I, I look at the process that to look at how much are we a leader? Um, yeah, I think we still pretty much are kind of thing. And I think the Americans with Disabilities Act is the big deal because like we have friends through our networking up in Canada. And like, if you look at the Ontarians legislation, you know, that came after the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed. And then you look at the United Nations, that the United Nations has a conference or convention for people with disabilities in terms of, you know, what's happening with the United Nations to get a global commitment for, for people all around the world with disabilities and how a nation commits to that. And the USA is not... Um, is not signed on to that convention, okay. and a lot of other countries are. So okay. there, there's that United Nations commitment that other places in the world are taking that we are not. So, but then that oh, gets interesting. Me, yeah, that gets me that, and the, it's the bottom line is what it amounts to, is that you know Congress is looking at they always look at what is the cost of the legislation. And if our Congress would go on to the United Nations Convention, it would be a real financial investment in doing that. And there's a lot of our legislators that feel that that financial investment is like, I, I might say, overboard for with what we're trying to do. And actually, my senator, Ron Johnson here in Wisconsin, um, he actually says on this topic, he's like, if people around the world want to see how a nation should serve its citizens, refer them to the Americans with Disabilities Act. You know, so so I have a senator that literally holds on to his laurels or our laurels and says we're all good because of ADA. And it's because I came in there saying I expect him and I still do. I'll tell the world I expect Ron Johnson to have done more and he didn't do more. And I. I think he's not all the senator he could be if he didn't grab a hold of this Disability Integration Act and came up with how he would cite that it would make sense how Disability Integration Act should be instrumented. But no, but, he, uh, he just is like, I'm not going to support it, walks away from it. Oh, okay. This is all the right. stuff so I don't like. Okay. So he's, he's decided he's not going to support it. Yeah, and it it's like anything. Um, things like this, you know, are an allocation of budget monies, you know. So so he's not seeing the shift to budget monies to this, but you know, I really I really question like how are we as a nation going to take the next step to make sure that our counter our Americans disabilities and those of us that are Americans that don't declare disability. You know, how are we going to be more a land of equality or, or kind of be more in universal design and build a future together where everything going on across the land literally works for everybody? Like even look here on Zoom, you know, just a little thing like Zoom has the closed caption in all of our Zoom sessions. And they actually, I just saw recently, they got it going. It was for a long time where the closed caption wasn't in the breakout room. But now Zoom as a corporation 
you know, has it done where now closed captioning is in the main room, in the break room. And, we, you know, it's just a little thing. But to the people who use that, that's a big deal, right? You know, so it's just where it's the idea of what you put your attention to will grow. I put my attention to water skiing and it grew in Wisconsin for how people in Wisconsin can access water skiing because I put my attention to it. That's what I hope to inspire. Did you have a thought? It looked like you were brewing. No, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, like I said, is that I, I, you know, I'm going to go back to another example of mine, which I think, and again, to me, these are, and I'm sorry, scents and all that kind of stuff. I get it. And EMFs and I get it, but I'm, I still think that there's work to be done for people that where the where the where the problem is much more gross and much larger because i have like a buddy with ms in michigan and you know even though he's on disability and blah 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 there's a lot of things he still can't engineer and do right there's just still a lot of stuff for him and and to me i know that there are tools out there that could help him there are organizations that could help him navigate some of this stuff. He called me the other day, and I need to call him today because I screwed up. I didn't give him the money that he needed for his rent. Um, but there's some problem with this rent, and they're gonna, you know, they're going to, you know, evict him and whatever all this stuff. And he has, and there are people out there that can help him, and that will help him. He just has no idea how to. Uh, plug into the systems that are out there and i think i see that for a lot of people in the community with disabilities that that there's a there is there are solutions available but it's hard to get from point a to point b there's no conduit there that's easily set up and maybe the kind of organization that you're, you were talking about doing in Milwaukee with the mall and all that is trying to solve some of those issues that, that it's not all piece that the problem is a lot of stuff is piecemeal, right? A lot of things are piecemeal. And to me, to get some of that stuff figured out is critically important. Um, and I'm not saying more important and I don't even know how, what that has to do with the Integration Act or any of that kind of stuff. I really don't know. But I know that that to me, um, that the idea he has me to call and help him out. And I always try and give him advice. But, the, but I finally said the other day on the phone, you know what? You're doing the best you can with your resources and your knowledge and your abilities right now being deep in the throes of MS. So I can't tell you, you should have done this and you should, because that's my go-to. Well, why didn't you do this? And how did this happen? And how could that have happened? And, you know, and the fact is, it doesn't really matter. It did happen. You know, it, those things are going on. So so what do we do to kind of help out? And um, maybe I'm kind of babbling a little bit, I feel like, but that to me is one of the biggest problems out there, even where the solutions might be available. There are a lot of people in our community that don't have any idea how to access them or figure it out. Yeah, so 
when you spoke to your role, um, I learned from the disability community that they call that a that you'd be with somebody who's part of uh, your friend's um, support network. You know, so like the agencies, you know, teach people with disabilities to think about that. Who's in your support network? That when you're kind of stuck, that you have a friend or family or some contact of some sort, you know, and to look at, you know, kind of uh, what's helpful to you to do more of what you have in mind. And then who are you choosing to call or email or, you know, give a Facebook messenger message or whatever. And, you know, to have that going on in your life. Um, so basically that you're not in it alone, you know, type of thing you know, and with the caregiving structure and uh, caregiving services and all that. Um, yeah, and here in Wisconsin, we have a couple professionals, one out of Milwaukee, one out of Madison, who they teamed up um, seeing this by this being something at their house and then also in their professional roles that this disability navigation, I mean, there actually is um, social work that is constructed as what we call here in Milwaukee anyway, I know it as life navigators or navigators anyway, that when you contact these professionals who are navigators, you know, they can show their familiarity with the programs and the resources and to help send you in the right direction. And also the independent living centers there too. They have their different piece of the pie that they specialize in, but with who they're serving, they try to have um, good knowledge of if they can't serve them, then who are they to go to and uh, to offer that hint to say, we're aware that there's this office out there and this is what they are showing they do. If it seems like they can help, feel free to give them a call, but yeah. we can't help you, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That referral thing. And that that's a lot how we do business at the Happy Neighborhood Project, right, Ken? That if somebody's coming to us, we realize that there's something that would help their business or them professionally. We have somebody at H and P that that could maybe help them in what came up in our conversation, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or or that they want to meet or connect with or whatever. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea when we were going to do this. They were going to go get so deep into this. This has just been you got me thinking about things, and I think that's good. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and uh, Ken, I didn't know either we were going to get this deep into it. Emily can tell you that every show is different and you just happen to be that character, that personality that offered me that chance to play off of you and to get your mind going. And you were saying some things that were spot on. And, um, you know, I hope our audience, um, you know, sees you in, you know, your genuine, authentic approach that you're here in service and you know, you just want to take care of people. And that's why you do what you do. And you mentioned about, you know, the challenge to figure out what you need to do and what's best for you. And that's what you're doing as the open enrollment guru, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and that, and that is, yeah, I, I am. And, and first of all, no one in the United States should go without health insurance or without, right. without health care, right? Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, we have a system that's kind of a um, little bit backwards, meaning that if you don't make more than, and this is going to sound crazy, this is going to sound completely crazy. If you make less than $14,000 as an individual, you cannot qualify for a subsidy 
in the Obamacare marketplace. So if you make $15,000 as an individual, your health insurance will be free. If you make $14,000, you'll pay full price, unsubsidized for your health insurance. It makes no sense at all. Um, and the idea is, well, maybe there is some mechanism to catch people that make less than that amount of money. And in fact, there really is no mechanism federally to catch people. If that's so, our federal system allows for people to receive a subsidy if they make X amount or more to a point where they won't get a subsidy. But if you fall within those lower numbers, depending upon your state, you may get health coverage through your state or you may not. And that is something that really needs to be looked at. Ron, let's have Ron Johnson take a look at that damn thing. You know, right. what does he have oh, to say? I, what does he have to say about that? <laughs> I think he would be right there with you. And um, Ron Johnson does a lot of great work. You know, I just happen to, you know, have no, it. No, no, no. And I, and I just, I just said that. I just said that because I think it's something that our legislators really don't think about some of this stuff, right? It's, it's not. That's not top of mind. It's top of mind for some people. So let's just leave that. But if you're not one of those people, if you're lucky enough to um, make enough money, right, over $14,000 as an individual, then I'll tell you right now that you just need to talk to someone. I mean, talk to me, talk to the Obamacare guy in the corner. I mean, the bottom line is, is that most people spend more than they need to on their health insurance. Most people pay medical bills that they don't need to pay because they don't know what the insurance is covering, what it's not covering. Most people just are not fully aware of the ins and the outs in our healthcare marketplace. And that's really where I see my role is making sure people are spending the least amount of money out of pocket and getting the best care. And I think that's really what anybody would want. Um, but it's for a lot of people, it's overwhelming. I will tell you right now, and I know that this is, this is gonna be kind of politically incorrect because I'm a big believer in um, the marketplace and in the um, healthcare.gov, but that website is a disaster. If you try and roll in the healthcare.com website, most people, a lot of people I know have made mistakes. And once you make a mistake, you can't back out of it. So what I would recommend everyone do, if you want to go to the marketplace, healthcare.gov, call them. Call them on the phone. They're, it's 24-7. They're open. It's all night. You can call them anytime you want to. And there's someone there to help you and help you get enrolled. And they will do a great job because they know where to put all the information you give them. The website itself is not as consumer friendly and people get stuck on it all the time. So if you're going to use healthcare.gov, call them. Um, it's an 800 number. You can find it, healthcare.gov. You can find it online. You can call it, find it through anywhere. It's a, it's a great way to go if you want to do healthcare.gov. But if you want someone to help you with how the subsidies work and help you figure out what subsidy might be proper for you, reach out to an agent, any agent. 
Um, if they can't help you, they should refer you to someone else. Uh, and then lastly, if there are people out there that don't qualify for Obamacare or don't want an Obamacare plan, there are other solutions available too. So, and I specialize in those other solutions. Um, it's underwritten health coverage that for some people makes sense. So I get the message I just want to get out there, Kurt, is it's a public service announcement. Our government has decided and it's, and it's done because it makes business sense for insurance companies to only allow enrollment during a certain period of the year. So this is the period that we're in right now. You can qualify for enrollment at other times, but only if you meet what's called a life qualifying event. You lose your insurance, you lose your job, you have a baby, you die. Somebody dies, not you die, but somebody else dies. Um, and then you can qualify to re-enroll. But you have to, people spend more time figuring out what kind of phone that they're going to buy, uh, what, what kind of cell phone they're going to buy, and what kind of health insurance they're going to get. And it just is not, yeah, anyways, that's that's my, that's okay, that, that's my little platform to stand on uh, and kind of just get that information out there. Um, I am the health insurance savant. And during this time of year, I am now the open enrollment guru because open enrollment is a whole different kettle of fish than just, than just health insurance in general. So you have to know how to navigate the system. And there are health insurance, there are healthcare navigators. Uh, talk about navigators, Kurt. There are some states have navigators. A lot of states have done away with them. Talk to a navigator. Um, talk to an agent. Just uh, make sure you have the right plan for yourself because, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you make me think of that cliche adage, uh, fail the plan, plan to fail. And that yeah. type of thing. You know, it's yeah. all in, in the plan. And, uh, you know, once you're in a program, it's, it's all you got. And... Uh, a lot of people go through it in hindsight, like woulda, shoulda, coulda. And so if you're catching this information, now's the time to do it. Uh, Ken, how do they reach you? Like if they're listening to you and like they're thinking you can help them, how do they get you? There's a, a million ways to reach me. I'm all, I'm, I'm the health insurance savant. I'm all over social media. So if you Google health insurance savant, you go on LinkedIn, you go on Facebook, you're going to find me. Um, if you go ahead and then up in my corner there, I have that little, whatever those things are called, um, that little black and white thing. If you scan that black and white QR code, if you scan the QR code right now, you're going to get to my website and they'll provide you some information and access to me. Um, I am the health insurance savant. I have a, you know, you can call me on my cell phone. Um, I'm very, very comfortable with people doing that. I don't have my number up there like Emily does, but I'm at 917-710-2453. That's 917-710-2453. Text me. Um, yeah. But again, I, and, I, and I don't say this with, I, I don't say this with false modesty. Listen, I know I can help you, right? But just reach out to somebody. That's all I'm trying to tell you. Uh, if you get that open enrollment renewal notice in the mail, don't renew without looking at what's available right now. I had one guy that got a renewal notice 
for 650 bucks. He goes, I paid 550 for this plan last year. I went online and looked. I found the same plan for him at that 550 amount. Now, I'm not saying all insurance companies are going to do this. I'm not saying that all of them are going to bump your rate just because you had the plan and they know you're not going to look at it. I'm not going to say that they're going to do that, but it's worth looking at. I mean, he's saving himself $1,200 a year just by, you know, just by talking to me. There you go. So um, when you talk about open enrollment, it's driven by dates on the calendar. Can you give us an idea of the timing? Uh, that is yeah, op open enrollment. Yeah, Kurt, open enrollment runs from November 1. It ends on December 15 for coverage beginning January 2023. So you have until December 15 for coverage beginning uh, uh, January 1, 2023. If you want to explore one of these other plans, one of these underwritten plans, then you need to get online with that as soon as possible because those are not called guaranteed issue. So if you're going to go buy something in the marketplace, no matter what's wrong with you, you're going to get coverage. You have cancer now, you have heart disease, you have MS, you have to be approved. But there are other plans out there that for some people are better, provide better coverage at better rates that are based on health. And if you think you might be in that category, you need to apply as soon as possible, because if you don't get accepted, you want to still be able to get on a marketplace plan. So again, open enrollment ends on December 15th for coverage beginning January 1. If you uh, miss that, you have until January 15th for coverage beginning February 1. Um, the last couple of years, these deadlines have been extended in different states because of COVID. We might have that again. The problem is nobody says anything until it's time to make that change. So we don't really have a calendar of what states might extend their open enrollment periods. But I would expect some states will again this year. Excellent information. Thanks for being here, Ken. Well, listen, I, 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 I want to just make a general announcement to the community that's out there and say um, there are a lot of people you know out there that are your friends and neighbors Maybe you're into this and you listen to Kurt and hear, hear what he has to say all the time, right? And you may be one of those people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guarantee you there are a lot of people you know that are more like me that just haven't thought about some of the continuing issues with um, where, where the ADA, where the, where the ADA has not, has not gone far enough, right? And you're not maybe going to agree with everything Kurt had to say. Maybe you don't care about perfumes or AMFs or whatever. But I'm telling you, there are a lot of things out there you might agree with. And I think that everyone out there has to agree that we need to integrate people into our society that are, quote, unquote, disabled, right? I, when I look at my kids right now, my kids are six-year-old, they're six-year-old twin kids, Um when I look at their classroom experience and how they work with kids that maybe aren't, that we we would not have, at my, when I was growing up, we would have excluded them, right? Because of their color or because of the way that they move or because of like different kinds of stuff. The world is changing. And I see right now a much more open, um, people being much more open to allowing people that are different than them to be part of their community. And that's what we're talking about. People that are a little bit different than us, welcome them into our larger community. And we need to figure out ways to continue to do that. And the, the work that Kurt does 
is doing that or trying to find a way to do that. And I want you to get out there and talk to your other friends to have them start thinking about it. And, and again, I, we're not going to all agree on all this and that's all whatever it is, but we need to start considering some of these things because maybe there's things that you can do yourself, like not allow peanuts in your house. Right. I mean, and I, and I know I'm making a joke about that, but I'm saying there are things maybe we can all do uh, to make this a more inclusive world and community. That's fine. Well said. So, Ken, I hope you can come back some someday in the future to bring more of what you brought today. Absolutely amazing messages and just stuff you come up with off the top of your head. You are wired in the right direction. I'm, Thank I'm you, Kurt. Well, again, like I said, I, I, I this is something that um, I used to do a lot of ministry in New York when I lived. I did a lot of work with homeless people. I did work with people with AIDS. I've done I, I did. I went to an orphanage in Nicaragua for disabled and abandoned children. And when I first went down there, um, a lot of the kids have cerebral palsy or some other type of major, major disability of sorts. Um, you know, deaf and blind and all kinds of stuff. And when I first went down there, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to do construction work because these kids skeeve me out. I don't want to go near and he's drooling and you get there and they come up to you and they're grabbing at you and they're drooling on you and they're pulling on you. And my, I was like, Oh man, I felt like that scene of Jesus when all the people are the lepers and stuff are coming after him. And he's like, ah, oh, wait a minute. I don't know. There's a little bit too much. That's in Jesus Christ, superstar, not in the gospel. Anyways, um, within two days, I was bathing them. Within two days, I was holding them, bathing them, singing to them. And I think that's part of it is that we don't know what it's like unless we allow ourselves to be exposed to people that are different than us. And it, it and we 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 have a tendency to be more comfortable with people that are like us. And that's that's natural. And the only way that changes is by opening ourselves up to these other experiences. Well said. Well said. Yeah, that's stuff that I had to be taught in my own life before we went on the show. It was little bit of uh, what I was reflecting on that um, I was well I talked a little bit in this sh during the show here you know I'm 51 in the uh, first 40 years I just felt like wow there's so much more I could have been doing and uh, all I had was the future to say let's start now let's dive in I'm starting with water skiing the more than sex tuppling the access to the sport of water skiing in six years really gave me a revelation of learning and insight and life experience and say opening yourself up to experiences and that's why i'm at the happy neighborhood project uh you know helping with what's now the hmp supporting veterans and all abilities uh, free happy business networking session thursdays at three eastern and you know everything else that we can get done through the 3300 co-op members at the happy co-op so yeah i'm just very excited to be in the middle of this and that the disability community really gave me this acumen. I didn't have it before I really opened myself up to the experiences, like you said, Ken. You know, I had to make that decision at the age of 40 before that happened. Yeah, so yeah. with that being well, said. Uh, nice, nice being here, Emily. Thank you for your hard work on there and staying on top of me and making sure that I knew what was going on. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you, Ken, for coming. I appreciate um, it. You're welcome to join us any anytime. Well, thank you very much. We'd love to have you back. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. So do we just say, would we say goodbye now? 
Uh, well, if you if you got to hop off, you have another meeting starting. Uh, don't let us yeah, hold I'm you up. Yeah, off because I got to go uh, help my kids trim their Chris little of a trim the Christmas tree. All um, right, go but ahead. I, I do want to. I do want to <laughs> end with one last thought, though. Um, uh, Kurt asked about being thankful for something, and I and I do want to share something because this is something that is near and dear to me, and I'm going to share number one. Not the chat. I don't want to share that. I want to stop my video either. Where is that? I want to share something, which is these are my twin daughters, Catherine and Constance. And a year ago, Catherine, the one with the shorter hair in the background, was uh, went to the hospital to get a bone marrow stem cell transplant. So what am I thankful for? Of course, I'm thankful that she is thriving now, that she really has no um, you know, indications of what she has gone through, either emotionally or physically, that we can tell. She's considered cured. But um, I want I'm thankful for medical research. I'm thankful for the idea that she was able to go through this procedure and come out of it well. Uh, 25 years ago, her condition, aplastic anemia, killed. Well, I hate to say it killed. There was a 10% cure rate. Now there's a 90% cure rate. So when you think about things that are impossible, and I kind of was saying that with Kurt, like, oh, all these things that you want, that sounds like an awful lot. Well, you know, medical research is kind of the same way, is that we look at diseases like leukemia or sickle cell. And those were kids that were on the floor with my daughter, Catherine, all had those conditions. They aren't as fortunate as her. There are no cures for leukemia and sickle cell right now. Um, but through medical research, I do believe those things can happen, but it only takes work, right? It takes work, hope, and money to do those things. And that's how anything that's hard, that's what it takes. So um, whether it's working with people with disabilities and making sure there's more access and inclusivity or if it's medical research. So, you know, keep the faith. You know, we got to keep the faith. We got to keep moving forward because miracles do and can happen. And, uh, my daughter, Catherine's an example of that. So I just wanted to say, what am I thankful for this year? Of course, I'm thankful to have my daughters. But if medical research wasn't out there, we wouldn't. I wouldn't have been as fortunate. So I want to just offer that last little thought. Very so, good. That's a good thought to end on. What do you got, right, Emily? Thank, thank you, guys. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. And by the way, why use an agent when you could choose the savant? There you go. I'm going with this. <laughs> so there you go. It's time for your wrap up, Emily, the OMG EMG moment. Take it away. Okay. So um, I wanted to uh, thank uh, Ken again for uh, joining us today and for everybody who is tuned in on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, anywhere else. Um, and also, I'd like to give special thanks to um, Marcus Hart and the Transform You Media Network, um, Jay Stoyan and the Disability Channel, and Zach Clayton and the PEC Channel for allowing us to have um, this show put on their uh, platforms. Um, 
Well, I also encourage everybody to go to our all of our social media pages and groups um, and uh, join, like, share, comment, um, and any other um, kind of interaction with uh, those things. Um, and we'd like to see a lot of activity going on there. Um, we also are here every Saturday at 3 Eastern. Uh, and we are also always looking for um, people to join us on the show as a guest um, and or helping out with the show in any other way. Um, so if anybody is interested or knows of anybody, would be either interested in coming on as a guest, uh, helping and and or helping out the show in any other uh, capacity, uh, to please contact me at my contact information that is on the screen at emilygalmeritiCloud.com, as e m i l y g o l l m e r at iCloud.com, or at uh, 715-303-9835. I have it back to you, Kurt. Any last things for today? Uh, they're not invited to contact me? Well, yeah, you're always welcome to contact Kurt as well. Well, how do they contact me? At, at either at abilitymk now at gmail.com or 262-372-1754. And what's the website to the disability chat? Uh, it's the disabilitychannel.ca. .ca? Why is it .ca? For, 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 for Canada. Because they're... Yeah. they're they're headquartered out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Yes, they are. So, yeah, with that, I would say we are buttoned up for today. And uh, I, too, can say thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. I think you agree with me that that Ken is quite a character, but he's a good guy. So, uh, really, if you have anything that you are wondering about, with your health insurance or if you're not insured and you wanna uh, learn possibilities of what you would be best to do in getting started with health insurance or you're on COBRA or any of these things, uh, definitely contact Ken. And if there's anything with Ken that uh, you wanna contact us first, uh, feel free to call Emily and I and we can help make sure that we bridge you over to Ken for all of that health insurance conversation. See you next time. Bye for now.